0: Thanks for tuning in to Country Fried Rock. This week we're talking with Country Fried Rock alum Kevin Gordon, whose latest album, Long Gone Time, has already received critical acclaim. Today's chat with Kevin Gordon was recorded during Americana Fest in September of 2015 at our fabulous Airbnb in East Nashville. Although I worked in a studio for more than 15 years, I'm not a live recording engineer. So thanks for bearing with us on the audio. Continuous quality improvement, I think they call it in business. So, Kevin Gordon, thanks for stopping by. I appreciate it. You're welcome. This is convenient for me that everybody pretty much lives here in East Nashville. Yes. Everybody knows I like your stuff. So I was a backer <laughs> of the record, I should say that. In yes, Full disclosure: yes, I'm yes. one of the people who helped make it happen. That's right. Thank um, you. Not to the degree I would love, like to be able to do, but,
1: you Well, know, thank you very much. It's the, all
0: good stuff. It's all
1: appreciated.
0: What's been going on for you leading up to Long Gone Time coming out?
1: A lot. We made the record about, we finished it about a year ago started it in july of 14 and recorded it in two segments uh, the first being the acoustic section which mm-hmm. is all acoustic instruments and that was primarily me with lex price and bo ramsey uh, there's one song where it's just me and lex and joe McMahon. so we came back later i think in august and did Uh, The other half of the record, which is sort of the what I call the electric half, Mm -hmm. I guess probably more typical of what you might expect from one of my records. But it was very cool uh, in both situations, the electric and acoustic, we were all tracking live at the same time, so there are very few overdubs, which... Made it very challenging, especially for the acoustic stuff, for Sinatra here, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> to get a keeper vocal while, you know, playing my guitar correctly <laughs> uh, or with great fervor. So, uh, yeah, we mixed and we were done mixing in September of last year, so uh, it's nice to have it out, and uh, the response has been great. We are going to do vinyl, uh, but but of course, because we are going to do vinyl, it will take forever. So, uh, you know, let's just keep thinking those good thoughts, kids, and and, uh, it will be here.
0: I actually talked with someone recently who ended up having their vinyl printed in France Mm -hmm. because it was faster and cheaper to have it done in France and sent back here. Yeah. And it was still before they could even get on the list of the two major U.S. uh, pressing places. It's
1: crazy. Yeah, it is. I'm excited about it. The vinyl will be in the originally intended format, which mm-hmm. was to put all the acoustic stuff first, followed by all the band stuff. Nice. So it's going to be a dual, a double LP gatefold. Oh my gosh. Well, the first one will be all the acoustic stuff with an extra track that's not mm-hmm. on the CD or the download, and then all the electric stuff on there. Yeah, it should be a nice package.
0: So speaking of art, who do you work with?
1: Well, uh, this design was done by Keith Brogdon, who's a great designer here in town and great drummer as well the painting on the front of a deer although it looks more elkish to me a deer struggling in this in the river uh is by my friend michael noland Ah. who's a painter from illinois and he uh did this painting as a response to hurricane katrina so that's sort of tied in with One of the major themes of the record or focuses, which was Louisiana stuff, where I grew up. Where you're from. Yeah. So uh, Keith, the designer, loved this painting. And I thought Michael's work might work well for a cover because it's so strikingly graphic, bold. And I actually uh, allowed for a photo of myself to be included (laughs) on the back. Uh, by the, the great uh, Heather Leroy, who's mm. a local photographer. Yeah.
0: Yes. When we last talked with Kevin Gordon, he had just released *Gloryland*. That conversation talks about Gordon's previous life as a poet and how he ended up going from Louisiana to Iowa down to Nashville. Check that conversation out in the archives of Country Fried Rock. Thanks so much to our newest Country Fried Rock monthly subscribers, Caleb and Hannah. We appreciate you. For as little as $3 a month, you can support Country Fried Rock as well. Just go to countryfriedrock.bandcamp.com. We're back with Kevin Gordon on Country Fried Rock. Being a South Carolinian, obviously we have complex history of being in the Deep South as well. Yes. And this last year with this situation going on with them finally mm-hmm. pulling down our the Confederate flag that was on our state house grounds.
1: Yeah.
0: I reposted the Colfax song, which we had talked about a long time ago was a true experience of yours Mm -hmm. growing up in Louisiana. And it was really interesting to me how many people who are friends of mine in my day-to-day life, but not necessarily into the music that I generally share with folks Mm -hmm. were like, whoa, I, you know, I never really had perspective on what that's like until this is suddenly in our faces. Cause Mm -hmm. I think for South Carolinians, and I can't speak for my whole state, but I certainly can speak for my, my non-close peer group. So mm-hmm. folks I know, but not my day-to-day folks, I think that you just go on with life without really questioning the things around you a lot of times that right. you know are wrong, but you just go on anyway yeah. because it's like too big to deal with or too scary to deal with or too horrible to deal with or, you know, if I just keep it going on, I don't have to worry about this. Yeah. But I know that you've got a lot of themes going through this new record mm-hmm. that kind of bring it fresh. Yeah,
1: those are, and those are, well, GTO is, is a true story. Uh, a few details were changed, not in the writing of the song, but in my recollection of mm, the events.
0: That happens.
1: That song started, actually, from me finding an old photograph of me with my dad when I was about two years old. Uh, at the Dallas Zoo, I think mm. it's uh, you know, uh, blazing Texas sun, and I'm leaning. I'm looking into a cage full of goats or something, and my dad's hair is just blazing. You know, f- uh, so much Brill Cream. You know, it was very <laughs> yep. conservative. Uh, you know, not not like rockabilly, but like just military cut. You know, with shiny stuff in it. Maybe that was Vitalis, not Brill Cream. I can't mm-hmm. remember, but. I started thinking about the the difference between his outward appearance and general demeanor, mm-hmm. and this car that he bought. It's like, "What's up, man?" Right? Because he was young. He was a young man then, so you know. Not
0: even like midlife crisis situation. Yes. <laughs> yeah, He had a
1: midlife crisis at age nineteen or twenty, whatever, you know. Uh, and it was through that that uh, you know I, I tell the story, and then at the end, you know, that's. That was the point to me, that that so many of these stories that I heard as a kid, you know, it was always about the race of the perpetrator. Mm. And, you know, just as a general thing, if you suspend, you know, your knowledge of history or culture or whatever, and just think about that, Mm -hmm. that's such a weird thing, you know? I mean, I understand. I get it. But every time that story was told to me, I was made very aware of the race of the mm-hmm. guys who committed mm-hmm. the crime. That kind of stuff is what I, I'm kind of fascinated by, mm-hmm. you know, of course, in a dark way. The normalcy of, of what happens in Colfax, the fact that it's not a huge event, that this is something that millions of black people and otherwise oppressed people deal with every day, silently or quietly and these are their lives he's a public school teacher he's leading this band through this parade in this little town and here's the clan and all he can do is keep going, keep going. Uh, because he needs the gig you know so th- it's that kind of thing that that uh, interests me i, I mm-hmm. guess you know and and that you know not that i'm out on a mission or anything because i you know i always think it's the song first, whatever the song has to say, but, you know, politically just getting more people to understand that part of it, that it's not always about the protest and the march and somebody getting shot, that it's, it's about the way somebody looks at you at the grocery store, Mm -hmm. you know, we could probably hire a great psychologist to sit here and explain to us how you know, this this sort of thing is tribal and, and pathological, but it doesn't make it right. I and mean, all we can do is try to do better. So yeah, and like shotgun behind the door on the new record. Mm-hmm. Um that's very loosely based on my great grandfather. Mm-hmm. I was actually using more like the interior landscape, for lack of a better word, of of his house yeah. as a setting, even though he did sit there and watch Lawrence Welk every <laughs> Friday or Saturday night, I can't remember <laughs> what night it was on, but and he did keep a a shotgun by the front door. Mm-hmm. Although the thing that the song doesn't talk about is that he was from the country. He right. and my grandmother were both very rural people, so that would not be a weird thing. It was just a thing. It would. It just. It just happened. And they did live in Shreveport, which is a city, so it was different for them. And there, there was a me- you know some measure of fear, but just the basic gesture of having loaded firearm on hand that was not a weird thing.
0: Right. I grew up like that. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. But you can't always get all the little details in, and sometimes they have to be left out. I know there's more songs in there, you know, about all that stuff, the racial thing and the fact that we grow up with people who we love dearly but who adopted attitudes that their predecessors had firmly ingrained in them. And uh, it just feels like an incredibly frustratingly slow change, you know.
0: I'm fascinated by what makes some of us not replicate those worldviews.
1: Right. You know, uh, my kids seem to be clear of that mm-hmm. uh, in a very striking way. So I'm grateful for that. I definitely gained valuable perspective when I left the South. Mm. Not that those attitudes are strictly in the South, as They're we know. They're They're everywhere. But just to get away from your home ground for a while, talk to people who live in other parts of the world, it really sort of helped place that set of ideas uh, where it needed to be put. I've got a new song that's about... It was triggered after... uh, Well, it was Ferguson, and then it was the Eric Garner thing Mm -hmm. on Staten Island, and then the next guy. I mean, it's amazing that it just goes on and on. The guy in Baltimore who who was, you know... Something happened on the way to the police station. So I've got a new song about that. It starts with Emmett Till. God, it's just so...
0: Whose accuser still lives in South Carolina, and she's still alive.
1: Oh, the the, uh, the wife The of... woman
0: who claimed... That's right. I only just learned this.
1: I just watched, when I was kind of researching Emmett Till, mm-hmm. I saw a segment of some program that showed her in fairly recent times.
0: Mm-hmm. It's not ancient history, is the reason for saying that. Oh, you absolutely. Know, it, it's still very much present.
1: Yeah. Timely and and timeless, you know, in a way, unfortunate characteristics of, of human behavior. It's very much on my mind as a musician, you know, as the uh, as someone who learned a lot from African American musicians mm-hmm. and simply went to that music out of love. It's it's very interesting to find yourself playing to write a song that has a John Lee Hooker groove, mm-hmm. you know, like Flowers or something. And then it's like, is this okay, you know? And for myself, I, th- I think it is, because I think it's done out of love, and I mm-hmm. think hopefully it's done well. Mm-hmm. It's done with respect for right. that music. I think a lot of times people confuse uh, origin with a claim to that origin. You know, yes. that, that things- or
0: are you appropriating it or?
1: That things grow, you know, that, that I think there's some Stevie Wonder quote about, you know, music is a gift, meaning basically that once it's out there, it's out there, and human beings, whatever description they might fit, are going to listen to that music, and they're going to be influenced by it. Mm -hmm. That was just always the music that I loved, you Mm -hmm. know, and uh, I don't know why exactly, but it's still there. (laughs) Anyway, we're getting off into deep stuff. No, it's good stuff.
0: Huge thanks to all the listeners who chatted with me on the phone this week with your feedback about Country Fried Rock. I appreciate every one of you. Ooh, and check your mail. As always, thanks so much for checking in with Country Fried Rock. Jump back in with Kevin Gordon on Country Fried Rock. You did sort of a Mm self-crowdfunding. Pretty much everybody is having to crowdfund on some level at this point. How did you structure that? How did that work for you?
1: Well, uh, the first one I did was for... Uh, the Gloryland record, and we were just raising money to market it, Mm -hmm. basically. We'd already made the record. So that was fairly easy as far as goals. Mm -hmm. This new record was made and marketed through crowdfunding by the same means, basically Mm -hmm. just using PayPal buttons on my website. I sent out a little survey to the people who had participated in the Gloryland campaign. Overwhelmingly, uh, it was the fact that it was kind of a more homegrown thing. Mm-hmm. People respond to that very positively. So that's why I didn't go to Kickstarter or whatever. Indiegogo or whatever. And I know that there are certain advantages to doing that. And we did do a uh, Pledge Music pre-sale mm-hmm. for the new record and for a reissue of the Burning record on mm-hmm. vinyl uh, that will be out sometime. Another <laughs> vinyl uh, project uh, in the in the works, uh, in line. That worked well, too, and that was a situation where I learned that, okay, yeah, the platform itself can attract people Mm -hmm. who haven't heard of my music before. It's very interesting. I'm very interested in the idea of uh, subscription. I don't know if he still does it, but I know Marshall Crenshaw started Mm -hmm. something like that for a while.
0: I'm actually thinking about doing that with the show, and I don't know what that Mm -hmm. would look like. Because people want to support you.
1: My whole thing with the crowdfunding thing, my wariness about it was there was all this language that I would often find used in organization you know, charitable organizations. Uh-huh. And it's like, no, this is a pre-sale. You are buying something before it's made. That's all it is. I know that people want to help. That is a very noble thing and it is charitable in nature, but <laughs> this is a transaction. You get something for right. what you give.
0: I'm not selling you world peace, but I am trying. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: So it took me a while to get my my own head around that. But once I did, you know, I was like, okay, this is all right. Mm-hmm. As long as I explain that and I feel like I'm clear about it. And what I didn't realize at the time was, and what I'm realizing even now, fulfilling the latest campaign is I'm more worried about getting people their stuff than the people are worried about getting their stuff. Yes. And God, it's just so heartening and <laughs> inspiring, you know? <laughs> I know, it sounds really cheesy. No, it's true, though. I've
0: been in your shoes.
1: That's the great intangible that I didn't expect by doing crowdfunding was that you get closer to your fans Mm -hmm. through that. People are more invested literally and emotionally. So um, it's been, you know, a very interesting learning experience for me.
0: So, I know that you work a lot with Joe McMahon. Am I mm-hmm. saying his name right?
1: Yes, MacMahon. Okay, good.
0: Mm-hmm. I did say that right. Victory! So many <laughs> hear
1: it the right way and then say it the wrong That's way. That's so funny. Ten seconds later.
0: I know that Joe's studio had a terrible fire a long mm-hmm. time ago. Is he working elsewhere now? Where did y'all end up recording?
1: Uh, we actually recorded in the refurbished version of his house. They rebuilt, basically, from the studs. Oh, jeez. It's so much nicer now in right. terms of... Uh, Living space and recording environment. Got it. It's sonically better. It just—it's great when uh, when it's possible. I took him with us to uh, up north, New York and Philly, because we did World Cafe. Um, Yay! Yeah, which was fun.
0: Very fun, David Dodd. So yeah, yeah,
1: (laughs) he was fun to talk to. So uh, it it felt right to have Joe there. And we had a great time because yeah. it's so rare that we get to do the quartet thing out on the road. It suits uh, more more introverted souls like me, at least introverted off stage.
0: I have been told that my whole personality comes out behind a microphone because <laughs> face to face I'm just weird and awkward. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like, and I'm I mean I know it.
1: My first gig in high school, I absolutely freaked people out <laughs> because I had been like this shy guy who didn't quite know his thing, and f- first time on stage just. Oh, I think it scared people.
0: That's exactly- <laughs> hey y'all, this is Sloane Spencer from Country Fried Rock. Back when Country Fried Rock started, I was using one of the early online radio streaming services to share some music I like and some conversations with songwriters who I thought you needed to know. I didn't even know what a podcast was. And by the time we rolled that out, things went crazy. Early on, I made a wish list of what I hoped Country Fried Rock would be. And over this last year, I'm going to try not to cry, we did it. So here we are. We're kind of at that stage where we need to sustain ourselves and we need your help to do it. We don't really want to sell out to corporate interests, but frankly, if their money's green, we'll talk. The one thing I don't want to do is compromise the decision making. It's let us feature musicians who headline major music festivals to brilliant talents who've never toured. To me, the music matters and I appreciate you letting me share it with you. So, I need your help. Got some fun ways to do it. Go to countryfriedrock.bandcamp.com. Toss a few dollars a month, hour away. Got an option for you to get your name in a program. Might even be a great way to celebrate some family events like a kid's first concert or something else real important for those of you who can spare a few extra dollars. Or I'll send you CDs from my catalog, koozies and t shirts that people send along, posters I've got. I've even got a rubber monkey that I'll send along. Seriously, rubber monkey. I mean, really, what more could you ask for? We appreciate you. Thanks for joining our community. It's countryfriedrock.bandcamp.com. Country Fried Rock is a listener-supported program. You make it happen. Thank you. Our 2016 bed music is from the Flat Duo Jets, a live version off of the Athens, Georgia, Inside Out compilation. Our Country Fried Rock stinger is from Steve Soto and the Twisted Hearts. Country Fried Rock is distributed to radio stations via PRX, the public radio exchange, at prx.org. Select episodes are also available via Airplay Direct at airplaydirect.com. Country Fried Rock is copyright 2016 by LilyPad Productions. DBA, Country Fried Rock. All rights reserved.
1: he's been helping us Country Fried
0: Rock.